1: We're back in the book of Ruth today as we continue our examination of this series called The Romance of Redemption, taking a look at the riches of God's grace shown to the redeemed. grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that expense is seen marvelously here in this illustration that we call the book of Ruth. Hi, welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're continuing our series in the book of Ruth called The Romance of Redemption, and we're looking at the riches of God's grace and just how rich this grace really is in this illustration of Ruth and Boaz. As we begin, here's Pastor Phil Howard giving us a little background on Boaz.
2: Boaz is getting older and has not married. I don't know why. He's never married, but who knows? He might be thinking his time's running out. Anything will do. She had a reputation for her loyal love. Her reputation preceded her. At least she loved Naomi. And he may have known she had accepted the God of Israel. I'm not sure. But to make her as devoted as she was to Naomi, she had to be of a special, loyal character. And then, a woman of faith. I thought of this, uh, what in the world do you have going for you, for God to have grace on you? What, what can you uh, come to God with and say, uh, please show grace and mercy on me, and I'll tell you why I deserve it. Good-looking, loyal. No, 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 no. The story of God's grace with us by comparison is we had nothing to commend us to God. Our best deeds were like filthy garments. Uh, We were Jews and Gentiles lost because we preferred to do our own way other than God's. We were rebels. We were not loyal. We were lawbreakers. We were ungodly, unlikely, and unworthy. We had broken families, broken relationships. And the only thing I know that made us ever get grace is the kindness of God without merit in us. I don't know why God saved you over your neighbor over your brother, over your sister. There's a lot of people. The only Christian in their family was them. My wife was one. Her father was the son of a preacher. Never know him to come to faith. Her mother, I don't know. Her brother, may have professed faith while was here, we're hoping. But there's a lot of you that came from backgrounds where you're the only believer in your family. Why you? What did you bring to the table that was so special? What merit did you bring? You did fewer sins. You weren't as bad. Well, we were all bad in the sight of God. There was none righteous, no, not one. None who understood God. None who sought God. You didn't get, become a believer because you sought him. He sought you. Sheep, don't seek the shepherd. Shepherds seek the sheep. Why did he want you? Why did you find grace? It is a mystery so deep that uh, I cannot give you the answer. Why you? Why you? Sometimes I wonder how any of us got it when I know how blasted honor we can act even when we know him. It's amazing how much goofing up you can do and still calling father. You don't know any Christians that have messed up their life, do you? I mean, they've told, don't marry an unbeliever. No, well, I'll get right with God after I marry. They get right with God, hopefully, but they lost everything. You see, we're in total contrast. I have no merit to ever get the attention of my kinsman, Redeemer, Jesus. There was no merit. Don't try it. Until you see yourself as unworthy. But she did go to town and she said, I'm not going where I can find merit. I'm going where I can find grace. I need grace. She, she knew that. She was vulnerable. And then, uh, I, I just have to share something that's so beautiful. Uh, her future is all wrapped up in verse 12. And I want to show you a marvelous parallel. Parallel. Notice verse 12. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Now look at chapter 3 and verse 9. Chapter 3, verse nine, He said, Who are you? This is when she meets him out at the threshing floor in the evening. And he He's fallen asleep, and he wakes up startled, and there she is. And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. What does your Bible say? Does it say spread your garment? Same Hebrew word for wings as garment. And it means the corners of your garment, the borders of a garment. Same Hebrew word. It's used in Numbers 15 of the borders, the hem of your garment. You shall sew blue on the borders of your garment to remind you to follow my law and not your heart. Same word. And so what he's really saying is what he prayed for her. She's over here in chapter 3. He said, spread your wings over me. Spread your garment over me so that it means I'm coming under your protection. It's a beautiful picture of God that when you come to Jesus Christ what's happening is you're coming under the wings of God. And wings is a symbol that stands for God's power, God's protection, God's provision. Let me give you walk you through the Bible on it. Exodus 19. He says to Israel I bore you on eagle's wings out of Egypt. And Deuteronomy 32 said, And there was no other God involved. I alone got you out of Pharaoh's house and got you out of slavery. It was my power that liberated and delivered you. Israel, I bore you on my wings. You didn't get out of Egypt by keeping the law. You didn't get out of Egypt by promising to be good. I delivered you in my power. And it's just like, I flew you out and I brought you into a land. You see, he's using his deliverance in the name of the wings of a mighty bird. I flew you out. He gets to the Psalms. And let me just give you some Psalms. Just uh, 17.8. Listen to this. Hide me in the shadow of your wing. Psalms 36, 7. How precious is your loving kindness. Children of men, take refuge in the shadow of your wing. 57, 1. Be gracious. My soul takes refuge in the shadow of your wing. 61, 4. Let me dwell in your tent forever. I will take refuge until destruction is past. 91 4. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. The same word used in chapter 3 that he throws his garment, the border of it, over this widowed Moabite girl. It's the word to come under divine protection. And one of the great things we've got to realize in our salvation, what you've really got in on when you receive Christ, the Redeemer, when you receive Christ, it's as though he's thrown over you his protection. He's thrown over you his covering, and under his covering, you've come under his power, you've come under his protection, and you've come under his provision. I'll take care of you. That's exactly what will happen in chapter 3. So I titled this chapter, The Riches of Grace. A woman who had no merit, really, didn't have a chance in a thousand of getting the attention of the most handsome, wealthiest man in Bethlehem. How could she ever find favor in this guy's eyes? He can hire more servants than she could ever match. The providential plan of God was bringing her under his wing to protect her, to provide for her. I'm reminded of Isaiah 40 when he said, when you can't run anymore and when you can't walk anymore, if you'll wait on me, I'll give you all the power you need. For by waiting, you shall mount up with wings as an eagle and you shall fly like an eagle the source of power for the church is waiting on god sometimes i think you think as pastors and preachers when we don't have anything else to do we like to beat you up over prayer you're not praying enough no 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 here's the big concern i don't have the power to quit the habit i don't have the power to get over my temper i don't have the power do you have enough time to wait on god for him to infuse his strength in you. I love Philippians 4, 9, 13. I can do all things through Christ who infuses, infuses his strength, his power in me. God is a mighty, mighty eagle. That was the emblem of Babylon and many of the Gentile countries around Israel was the mighty eagle with its wings out who has a chance against this mighty bird of the air? And God says, My people shall mount up with wings as an eagle. My people shall run to me, and I shall be their refuge from the judgment of God, their protection against their enemies. God is a hiding place for his people. When you read Revelation 6, men and women run for the rocks and the mountains to hide them from the wrath that is coming on the earth. Read it in Revelation 6. They're in the caves. They're in the hiding places of the mountains. Hide us. Hide us from the wrath of the Lamb and of God. They don't have a hiding place. The best they can do is a cave, and God can find you in a cave. Judgment can reach to a cave. Judgment can reach a fallout shelter. You can't hide when God decides to judge. No hiding place. We used to sing a song, Sinner man, where are you going to run to? Sinner man, where are you going to run? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to run when Jesus comes? You'll run to the mountains, but they won't hide you. Sinner man, where are you going to run? Jesus said, moving words. At the end of his ministry, he knows he's only got one more chapter in Matthew to go, and he's going to tell you what the end times are going to look like. Chapter 25, he'll tell you the parables of the ten virgins. And on chapter 6, he goes to trial. But he says in chapter 23, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you about me as a mother hen gathers her chicks. I wanted to protect you. I wanted to protect you. But you would not. You would not come. And now I see judgment is coming. Woe is coming upon you, city of Jerusalem. And the day will come you will say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God's wings had flown into town. And Malachi said that. The son of righteousness shall come. And Elijah and John the Baptist shall announce his arrival, and he will fly in town with healing in his wings, and he's inviting you as a nation. Oh, Israel, get under my wings. Uh, 70 AD is coming. Titus is going to slaughter you. Titus is going to kill your babies. Titus is going to plow this city under. You'll rebel again in 88 AD. I'm going to do it again. You need to get under my wings. It's the only place you can be hid from the wrath to come. And I think what we ought to be yelling to this generation, wrath is coming. It's in vogue now for everybody to say America is in decline. Well, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure that out when you throw him out of uh, politics, when you throw him out of school, when you buy all of the legislation that is anti-God, anti-Bible, God's going to have to apologize to Sodom if he doesn't judge us. We will be judged. And we might be being judged when we've got a nation that can't employ its own and we're getting broker by the day. Judgment has already started. There's only one place you can find refuge. There's a greater judgment coming. It's called the day of the Lord. When God visits this earth and pours out his unmitigated wrath, and men stagger beneath the judgment of God, where will you flee? Flee to the Lamb of God, O John said, that you might escape the wrath of God. I'm amazed at how much anemic preaching is going on. It's the fluff hour. You don't hear sin, you don't hear the cross, and you don't hear hell and judgment, and we're just lying through our teeth. We're doing like the prophets in Isaiah's day, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. There's only peace when you get beneath the wings of Christ, our God. This little gal, her only hope for any future, for any posterity, to even eat all of hers was physical. She has no clue of the plan that's being worked out. She has no clue that she's gonna be the great-grandmother of the greatest king Israel ever had. She has not a clue, but she is finding grace. And I say to you, the only place you'll find grace is by fleeing to Christ. He's the source of all of God's grace. And in Christ, you come under divine protection. You come under the power of God. And everything that can damn you, everything that can ruin you, is abated by the shadowing covering of Jesus Christ. He is our atonement, He is our covering. And so, in a book that is a mere signpost, the Messiah's coming, the Messiah's coming. And it's acted out in cameo fashion. Four little chapters. But all in there is a picture of the coming Redeemer called Jesus. Did you know why I went to the book of Ruth? Redemption is often made no more than a financial deal. I want to redeem something. I'll give you 20 bucks. You give me the product. I just redeemed it. But we weren't redeemed with silver and gold. We were redeemed by the life of the Redeemer. And you know why the Redeemer laid it down? I, I, don't ask me to explain this. Don't ask me. He literally loves you. He wants a bride. And he knows he's got to make a bride up from the poor, the sinful, the unworthy, the no merit, nothing, nothing. And in this wedding, he pays for the wedding dress. He pays to get the bride pretty. He pays for the hairdo. He pays for the man. He pays for, he says in Ephesians, I will wash her and make her clean. I'll have a beautiful church, a beautiful bride without spot or wrinkle, and I paid the fee to make you my own. Whether you know it or not, our Redeemer didn't just go to the bank to purchase us. He went to the wedding altar. He loves us. That's why he saved us. Why? Make up your list, and none of it will be enough merit to make him really love you. It was all because of him. It's all in him. There's something about love that is strange. Some men love some women that I call it a present-day miracle. Have you ever seen a couple and you say, I couldn't live with her for three minutes. And then then you go out with a guy. She's such a wonderful wife. She's a... And and they said, don't you think so, Pastor? Isn't God good, brother? Isn't he wonderful? Pastor, I said, don't you think? Wouldn't you like that? Sir, could we go on? Let's study the book of Revelation. Because you don't know how he picked that. Or how she picked that. You know Why? We don't love her like he does. Marriage is an institution and love is blind. So it's an institution for the blind. <laughs> so, you know, you can't, you can't get over. And to say in First Corinthians, many ungodly and such were some of you. You were this and that. Not noble birth, not this. You were nothings, nobodies. But he made a people out of you that no one would boast in his presence. And I want to say this. I'm so glad God saw a way to save Gentiles. I love a Jewish brethren. I spent two days with them this week. But you see, sometimes people say, well, do that mean my loved ones perishing? Well, let me tell you, friend, all of my ancestry perished all the way from Genesis 4 to the cross. And none of my family ever came to know the Savior until the 1800s. So that means all the background of the Howards, the Yunts, the Meeks, Germans, English, and Irish, and a Cherokee they picked up in Oklahoma, one squaw that a Howard man married. None of them back there knew God. None of them. For centuries, there was no hope for my family until the kinsman redeemer came and he included us. And so we will sit down with Jews and Gentiles at the merry Supper of the Lamb and say, Yeshua got a seat for us at the Messianic feast. We can sit at his table. And we can go with everybody up to Jerusalem and say, This is our King, too. This is our Savior, too. No one has ever loved you more than Jesus. He found out a way to buy you back. And we'll continue to look at that. Our Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that with no merit of our own to ever be selected by Jesus, you found a way. Love always finds a way. We thank you for our great salvation in Jesus. We bless your name. Let us forever be grateful. Forever be grateful. Like for our ushers to come. And uh, we fell off $14,000 last week. So pray, give as the Lord has blessed you. And uh, reach forward and take your neighbor's wallet and give like you've always wanted. So... uh, Anyway, we, when you drop 14000 a week, we want you to know that. Don't fall down on your giving. God's been blessing. We've been breaking even. Our first time in years. But uh, we just need your help. Continue to give as God directs you.
1: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, who will return in just a moment. Thank you for joining us here today on the program. It's our hope and prayer that our time together in God's Word has encouraged you, stimulated you and your walk with Christ. If you have questions or comments, maybe a prayer request, please take a moment and get a hold of us. Our desire is only to serve you. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or visit truthfortodayradio.org and learn more about us. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. And now to share a bit more about us, once again, Pastor Phil Howard.
2: I would like to uh, thank the radio audience and for the team that has helped to put on Truth for Today for all these years, over 27 years A a dream and a vision was taken from Isaiah to sow God's Word that would not return void. And we had that desire, and we found different men in Valley Bible Church that stepped up with money, with time, with influence. And uh, we want to thank them for all these years. We're getting ready to phase out our Monday through Friday uh, program but I didn't want us to close without saying thank you. Thank God uh, for Chuck Lodi bottier who's been our producer, who has driven tapes in the olden days down to KFax. Uh, he saw to it that we were on the air. I thank God for my brother David, who uh, always had the burden for me to do something. And him watch me die of exhaustion, but he would write the check. He's always been a man that would uh, try to finance it the best he could. And thank you for him. And many of you that yes. you've sent little or great gifts, yes. and uh, we've never wanted to be a begging ministry. We we have a great God. We don't have to beg. But we after these 27 years, and uh, we feel like we've sown the word and say that you can actually live in the San Francisco Bay Area and hear God's Word going out. And that's been our mission. That's been our dream. And God has enabled it for these 27 years. To God be the glory. May His Word do what God determines. And I know that He will. Thank you for your patience, for your support. And God be praised in all that you've done. Thank you, Phil. Again, you can reach us, friend, at
1: 855-833-9864 or truthfortodayradio.org. If you would like to write, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless.